Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and Box me in. I am your host, Lana Reed. Today I'm talking to a very courageous and strong young lady who has turned the trauma of sexual abuse into a life of joy and empowerment. But before I get started, um, sometimes I like to share a few facts. So I'm going to share um, some about sexual abuse. 44% of the victims are under the age of 18. 60% of sexual assaults are not reported to the police. And approximately two-thirds of the assaults are committed by someone known to the victim. My guest today has been so kind to take the time to share her story with me today and how she managed to overcome and thrive in spite of being sexually molested. Tiffany Mason is an author, speaker, and coach, and I appreciate her so much for being here with me today. And it is with pleasure that I welcome her to the show. Tiffany, welcome to Don't Box Me In. Hi, Lana. It's great to be here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being with me. So let's start off here at the um, beginning here. You've got a very interesting story. You were originally born in the Philippines. What what brought you to the United States? Actually, I was adopted at the age of three. And so uh, my adoptive parents came and picked me up, and I grew up in Long Island, New York. Oh. And that was when, yeah, that was when um, I started Realizing more about the culture, and uh, ever since, I'm definitely an American girl now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so, growing up in New York, right? Do you get a chance yeah. to visit your family back home in, in the Philippines? Actually, I went to visit when I was about 21 years of age, so I actually met my biological parents and my siblings, so it was a great experience. Oh, sounds exciting. Sounds exciting. Um, so at, at an early age, um, you started competing in like beauty pageants and figure skating and performing on stage. How, how old exactly were you when all of that started? Actually, I started really young with, with, with soccer. Um, my dad, he really wanted me to get involved with that. And so I started at the age of eight. And it wasn't until I started figure skating, Latin dancing and pageants. That wasn't until probably age, 12 and ever since then I've just been um, traveling competing as uh, a figure skater Latin dancer and beauty queen okay okay so looking back on things um, do you think at that particular time in your life that that was going to be your career choice to be like a figure skater or a Latin dancer or, or a pageant lady absolutely Lana <laughs> and that's all that I knew that's all that I knew especially at that age I enjoyed getting dressed up. I enjoyed being in front of a crowd. It was just, it was my life. Okay. Some of us don't really understand what's all involved with the pageant world, but there's a lot of, like, training and stuff that goes into it before we see the finished product there on stage, correct? Yeah. So there's a lot of rehearsing. There's a lot of practicing on stage, how you move, how you talk, how you interact with people, and there's just a lot of backstage um, things that you need to do, it's, it's easy when we look at Miss America or any of the beauty pageants on television, it seems perfect, but there's just so much involved backstage. Okay. Are you still working in that field or no? No. Actually, uh, once I experienced my traumatic situation at 18, I decided I, I had a different calling in life. 
Okay, okay. And that brings us to, um, I guess, what actually did happen um, at 18. So if you feel comfortable, could you possibly share that with us? Yes, of course. So I decided, my parents and I decided that it would be a good idea to pursue my career in the entertainment field. And so I started training with a well-known coach, and I had stayed with her and her husband. And it wasn't until that time at the age of 18, for about a year, I was sexually molested and exploited by my coach's husband. Mm. And I became depressed. I lost weight. I had no sense of my reality. And it was, my world turned absolutely upside down at that point. Mm. So, wow. Let me understand. Did you leave your parents' home to go stay with them or? Yes. Okay. Wow. So you're just kind of disconnected from family and and all of it. How long did this go on for? For about a year. Oh, wow. Okay. And the coach, um, she had no idea or concept or anything? No, absolutely no idea. It was was really hard since I was living there. And Mm -hmm. so you you can only imagine, Lana, how I felt being only 18 and never leaving home. That was my first time leaving home, and so it was just a big shock for me. Oh, that is that is a lot to bear for such a young lady. So, um, wow. So, you know, when it first starts to happen, I mean, everybody goes through their own individual emotions, but for you, when it first starts to happen, you know, did you have the desire to tell somebody, or did you keep it to yourself, or? I knew. I knew something wasn't right. I mean, when it comes to situations like this, they start to gain your trust first, and that's exactly what happened in my situation. I started to trust this person, and it wasn't until I started letting my guards down when things started to happen. And when things did happen, I I knew something was wrong, but it was very hard for me to to stand up at that point. Um, I I felt very bad about myself. And I was just in such a confused state of mind at that point. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine. I mean, compacted with or uh, compiled with the fact that you still have to live with this individual and see this person on a day-to-day basis and kind of, you know, continuously be subjected to that. You're not allowed to remove yourself anyway from it to, to even start the process of healing. Um, were you, during this time when it, it started to happen and it continued to happen for the year, I'm assuming that you're still competing in these different events. Um, did, did any of your performance start to suffer? I mean, what areas of your life did you start to see kind of be impacted because of this? Absolutely, Lana. My performance went down. I mean, even just practicing in the morning, being able to see my coach, um, knowing what had happened the day before, it was, it was very hard for me to stay focused. And I started losing weight because I had no sense of appetite. I would go go home and just go to bed for the rest of the day until dinner time. And so it, it was my performance, it was my well-being, my mental well-being, and just my my overall state of mind was falling mm-hmm. apart. So this went on for a year. So you just picked up and did you go back home or how did you get out of the situation? Well, eventually there came a point where I, I cried every single night. And it got to a point where, okay, I, I can't, I can't keep doing this. This is something that's not, this is not healthy for me. And so 
I decided, okay, it's time for me to go home. And so I moved back home with my parents, and that was when I shared them what, what had happened. And at the age of 19 was really when I was faced at that crossroad on, a, okay, well, will I allow this adversity, this man, to negatively affect the rest of my life or to take this experience and to learn and grow from it? And that's exactly what I did. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, I'm curious, though, when you come home, you know, because sometimes parents, you know, they're emotionally invested in their, their children's success. So I'm, I'm pretty sure your parents wanted the best for you in this area of life. Otherwise, they wouldn't have sent you off. Um, was there some sort of disbelief or were they immediately supportive when you shared your story? Or, you know, how, how did your parents offer you any kind of um, assistance or did they? It was very hard. Once I shared with them what happened, it was very, very difficult for them to believe just because this family, um, they're just admirable, they're respectable. And so when I shared what happened to me while I stayed there, especially my dad, it was very difficult for him to, to see that this really happened. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was really challenging for me because, you know, I was taken out of that traumatic situation and put into my parents' home. But even when I was at home, it's like my parents... They, they didn't even believe me, so I, mm-hmm. I was just left by myself again. So it was a very, very hard time in my life. Mm-mm-mm. I mean, and those are the times where we need a lot of support, you know, just so we can get emotionally on a, um, an even keel and get some solid foundation and footing. So it's it's rough when you don't have anybody there to assist you. Um, have you had a chance during all of this to have a? Was there any kind of conversation with the coach after this? Or, um, or did you, when you left, you just left the situation and didn't talk to her at all? I had the option of getting in touch with lawyers and going that route or the option of just healing myself. And at that point, when I was living at my parents' house, I was just, I was still really confused and I felt guilty and ashamed. And I actually um, got in touch with a therapist. And that's when I realized, okay, well, I just need to focus on myself. I, I need to get myself back to where I was and just move forward with my life. So, no, I haven't gotten in touch with, with my okay. coach. Sometimes when you um, leave negative situations, you have to completely disconnect for the betterment of yourself. So, you know, a lot of times I, I like to tell people that, you know, you, you have to move forward and not look back, you know, because you have to keep your eye on the direction that you're going. So it's totally understandable that there's no there's no – need to or desire to kind of, you know, say, you know, look, you, your husband, you know, caused all this pain and suffering. So that's totally understandable. So when you moved back into your parents' house, was the, the transition, you mentioned that you got a, a therapist. Was the transition um, immediate or, you know, were you sitting at home kind of wallowing for a minute or, you know? It was, was definitely a, a process, Lana. I mean, there, there were plenty of times where I would still cry. Um, I just would not do anything, just sit in my bedroom. But it, my therapist was the one, she really, really helped me get past what happened. And if it wasn't for her, I would probably still be living in my past right now. So taking that time to get in touch, reach out to a therapist, and being able to see her on a weekly basis really helped me move past my adversity 
much. You know, it's always, like I said before, it's always good to have somebody to help you through your transition. Sometimes we try to flounder and flop around and do it on our, on our own, but, you know, um, just to have that person to kind of lean on when we're kind of unsteady, you know, you cannot, that, that's sometimes a most invaluable person in your life. So it's good that you were able to find a therapist. Um, I'm wondering, so you're, you're, how old are you now? I'm 24. Okay, you're 24 now. So this is this is a really quick span of time here because you're 18 when this happens. You're 19 when you're back home. You're 24 now. Um, so when you, you're going to the therapist and you're starting to kind of heal and, and put yourself back together, I'm wondering were you able to date or what were your relationships like with men or how were you feeling about men during this transition part? this healing part? It was absolutely difficult for me. I mean, I was in college at that point, and I was not ready at all to be with someone just because it was very traumatic for me. And so I went out, I, I went out on dates, but it was nothing serious just because I would experience triggers that would make me think of what happened to me. And so... Speaking to my therapist about it, she suggested that it would be best to just focus on school, focus on this healing process, and eventually you'll come to a point where you can date in a healthy way. So, good, good advice. You know, always, you know, like to tell people to get whole first before you try to dump your mess on somebody else's doorstep. So, <laughs> very, very good advice for, from your therapist. Um, Tiffany, you know, it's a good point before I go to the next question. Um, I'm going to take a quick commercial break, so stay with me, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Today I am with Tiffany Mason. She is the author of the book, The Power of Adversity, and she is also a speaker and a coach. And before the break, we were talking about her recovery from uh, being sexually molested uh, by her her coach's husband and that happened for over a year and we were at the point where she was starting to heal she um you had sought out the help of a therapist and you mentioned that you were going to college at this particular time and we had mentioned before that you had saw that maybe dancing and the beauty pageant thing was going to possibly be your career and the direction your life was going to go but now with all of this happening and you're in college um and you're talking with a therapist, what is it that you're starting to gravitate to as far as where you see your career going at this point? Well, at that point, I I was still really confused, but I was in college for a psychology major. Okay. And I was really, really fascinated about the mind, and so when I was 19, I just started gravitating more about personal development and how the mind works. Okay, okay. So we're going to be a, a fellow psych major here. I went to UCLA for psychology, so good thing to help you get your head straight there. So how long did you, um, how long were you with your therapist? Probably for about a year. Okay, okay. And after, so you're, you're going to college, you're studying psychology you're with the therapist, and, you know, you personally took upon it yourself to kind of read everything that you possibly could about personal development. Um I'm curious, what did that do for you during your healing time? It 
absolutely transformed me, Lana. I mean, it it took me a, five, a good five years of really soul-searching and focusing on what it is that I want and the direction that I want to go in life. And so for the next five years, I started reading personal development books, listening to audio programs in the car. So basically just obsessing about this recovering process of what I needed to go through and surrounding myself with supportive people. And so it completely transformed my life. Okay, okay. So what happens um, after our graduation? What's your plan when you graduate from college? Well, I'm actually still still in college. Um, okay. There's just um, some situations that happen at home where I needed to get out, get out of oh. that situation at home. Okay. And it wasn't healthy for me, so I decided to go to North Carolina, and I will be graduating with my bachelor's later this year, so that's going to be really exciting. Oh, okay. Early, early congratulations, early congratulations. <laughs> so just... Um, you you originally from New York. Did you go to college in New York or someplace else? Yes, I went to Stony Brook University. Okay, but you're now someplace else. You're in the South right now, right? Yes. Okay. So right now, I'm taking an online um, okay. program, so doing real well. I can't wait to graduate. Okay, good stuff. And somewhere along the way, in all of this, Tiffany, you met a wonderful man, correct? Yes, in New York City. Oh, in New York City. Okay. How did you uh, stumble across him? Well, I mean, probably I would say in 20, I was really missing performing. And mm-hmm. so I started getting into that, especially with ballroom dancing. And I started taking lessons and I started teaching. And I was approached by someone to do an event, but I needed a partner. And so the lady that did my dresses, she knew John, and she connected me with him, and we practiced for the weekend. And a few days later, we did, we did the performance, and then we got asked to do more performances, and that's where it all started. Okay, okay. So this is when you were 20 years old? Yes. Life is moving real fast for you. So we're, you're 19, we, we do the therapist, we start to heal, and we meet John when we're 20. Was it a smooth transition into a relationship? Um at that time, or did you still have some bumps along the way of getting involved with a man? Absolutely. There was just, I, I did experience triggers, and one thing that I remembered my therapist telling me was when you do share your story with a man, you have to see how they handle it and how they react to it and to make sure that they accept what happened to you. And so when I did tell John what happened to me, he, he accepted what happened to me, so that was a clear indication that um, that it would be a smart move to continue to be open with him. And so that really gave me reassurance that, okay, I want to see where this relationship will go. Okay. Going through everything that you've gone through and you've found the relationship that you have, um, you know, sometimes with sexual abuse, it's, it's, it's very hard. It's very difficult for people to open up and express what happened to them. Um, some people almost feel it's a very shameful act. Do you recommend um, that women or men uh, be upfront with potential significant others right away or should they do you suggest you kind of wait and see where the relationship goes or how would you suggest somebody handle 
telling somebody about what happened in their life if they feel like the relationship might be going somewhere? Well, definitely it's good to wait it out, see how things go. And when you are ready to take the next step, it would be very wise to share what had happened to you just so that your partner can get a better understanding of where you are, where you're coming from, and how they can best support you. I mean, because I'm, I'm assuming that there might be some some consequences. Like you said, you have triggers. So if you're dealing with somebody who doesn't know what you went through, they might just be doing something that's regular every day to them, and they don't understand why you're responding to them in a certain way. But if they knew your story, your background, and your past, they might say, oh, okay, this is coming from this, this point in her life. So, um, you know... I, like I said before, when we are carrying our baggage and when you decide to put your baggage on somebody else's doorstep, it's always best to kind of let them know what they're working with. But even in that process, it takes a certain amount of personal evolution, you know, like you did going to see the therapist to be able to say, you know, I'm, I'm, this is who I am. This is what I've been through. And this is what you might have to deal with in dealing with me. So, you know, I mean, I commend you for, you know, getting to that place with John to be able to share that with him. So how long did you guys date before you guys got married? I think for about, I mean, the time goes by so quickly for about a year and a half. Okay, okay. <laughs> that was rather fast. So you guys are in New York and doing the college thing and you're dating and you get married. How did you guys end up in the South? Actually, his family lives in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And so that was when, I mean, both of us we were in the whole in- entertainment industry and we got to a point where he wanted to finish his school and I wanted to focus more on psychology. And so that was when... We decided, okay, well, let's let's put this ballroom dancing to the side, and he went back home, and that was when I decided to go and um, move and stay with him. Okay, okay. So you guys weren't married at this particular time, though? No. Okay, okay. All right. So um, eventually you're down here in North Carolina, and um, I guess he's finishing school. How does the... You know, you're still healing, I guess, but you're starting to do some things like coaching and speaking or whatever. How did you start to transition into that? Actually, I knew a friend, and she is a life coach, and so I was curious to see more about what she does, what her typical day looks like, and I started doing research. And I knew at that point I wanted to do something that will inspire others to overcome traumatic situations similar to what I had to overcome. And so I started doing research on coaching, life coaching, relationship coaching, and that was when I, I realized this is what I want to do. This is the profession that I want to get involved with. Okay, okay. It's a wonderful thing to be able to, you know, help people out and empower people and, and you know, make people become the best people that they can possibly be. And um, you are the owner, um, let me mention, you are the owner and founder of Mason Coaching and Consulting. So uh, when did you start this exactly, this business? About a year ago. Okay, okay. And um, to tell me, uh, give us all a rundown on what exactly do you do there? It's basically, I focus on specifically working with women. And... Together, we look into, okay, where are they right now in their life, and where do they want to go? 
And so we focus on the big picture, and then we break it down and focus on, okay, well, what are the tiny steps that you need to take in order to get to where you are, in order to get to where you want to be in life? And so we have sessions either in person or on site for about 30 minutes, and we just focus on basically redesigning every aspect of their life. Okay, okay. Everybody needs help with that. And do you find that your clientele is mostly women, or do you have other types of people that you work with? I personally have a connection with women, especially if they've experienced abuse or any traumatic situation. So when I decided to create my brand and create my business, I I specifically wanted to cater to women who have come from difficult situations. Okay. And um, because this is the clientele that you work with, what do you see uh, the consequences of in, in women if they do not get some sort of counseling, coaching when they have gone through these experiences? What, how, what areas of their life does it start to impact and, and affect? Definitely their confidence, their well-being, and if they are in a relationship, those triggers will happen and it will make it very difficult to be intimate with your partner and also with your profession. And so being able to take the time to to see a therapist, working with a coach to focus on your future, if you don't take the time to do that, it will, your life will will fall apart. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's always a counterpart to this, um, you know, and that's the man in the relationship or the significant other in the relationship. If you could give some tips or pointers to a man who is dealing with a a girlfriend, a wife, um, or maybe a sister or something like that who's gone through this, are there any things that you suggest in your work that a man can do, a significant other can do to assist a woman who's gone through this kind of tragedy in her healing process? Yes. So in my upcoming book, The Power of Adversity, I basically, I have a specific section for husbands where they can best support their their wife. And so one tip that I share is to understand where they have, where they've come from, to understand the story and to be patient with them because there will be times where she will have triggers and she'll start crying, she'll start getting upset or angry and to understand that it's not it's not you. You're not the problem. It's because of what had happened to her in the past. So the biggest thing would be to be patient, to understand where she's coming from, and, and to listen. Okay. Be patient and understand where she's coming from. Good tips, good tips. We're going to take a quick commercial break right now. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more Don't Box In. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. I am Lana Reed. This Don't Box Me In. I am with Miss Tiffany Mason today. She is a speaker, a coach, and she is the author of the book, The Power of Adversity. And uh, we were talking about uh, the healing process uh, from sexual molestation and, you know, the things that she did to get over it. And there's a word that you keep on mentioning um, that some of us out here, if you can, I would like for you to kind of give us some explanation. You keep on saying the word triggers. Now, 
so people can understand what might be triggers for a person so they can understand like, oh, okay, maybe I need to kind of be more conscious of my behavior when dealing with somebody who has gone through something. So maybe you can share what your own personal triggers are or some triggers that you have seen in your clientele. Yes. So triggers is basically, let's just say you're washing the dishes and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you see a bar of soap and that, that, that visualization of the soap, it triggers you and you start crying. And mm-hmm. so that soap basically brings back past experiences. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, when I see an older man and a younger girl, if I see them talking or um, flirting, it, it really brings up what, what I experience. And so I start to feel uncomfortable. I want to step out of that, step out of that situation so I don't see that. And so triggers can happen at any time, anywhere. You could just be watching TV, be taking a shower, and all of a sudden you just get triggered and you start crying or you start becoming really emotional. And mm-hmm. so just Understanding this about yourself, knowing what your triggers are, knowing what situations, people, circumstances that when they do occur, that's when you start getting really emotional. Being able to educate yourself on that and knowing what your triggers are can really help you in your healing process and also help educate your partner as well. Okay. Okay. Um, Since you're still a relatively young lady, you're only 25, um, is it still difficult for you to maybe be in mixed company with an older man? Do you still have those days where it's a bad day for you? It's taken me a while, Anna, just to understand this and know that this is one trigger that I do experience. But as of right now, if I do see an older man and a younger woman, I just say, okay, look, that some feelings do come up, but it was, it's not as extreme as it was before, um, especially once I came back when okay. I was 19. So as of right now, I've learned how to best handle when those triggers do come up. Okay, good. Okay, good. And do you feel that your healing is something that you could have done on your own? No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, because some people, you know, they try to, you know, wing it. Like, I could do this myself. You know, I mean, and I always advocate, you know, no, you need to find somebody to hold your hand through the process, you know. But there are those knucklehead people out there that say, you know, no, I, I can fix myself on my own. Um, do you recommend that? No, I don't. Just because it's so important to get insight, wisdom, knowledge from an outside party, whether it be a therapist, whether it be um, a good friend that you can just share what you're going through because you can't do you can't do things alone, especially when you're overcoming such a traumatic situation. And so being able to step out and reach reach out to a therapist, reach out to someone that you can trust will really help you develop yourself and get you past um, what you're currently going through. All right. So everybody hear that. You need you need to go ahead and get you somebody to reach out to and, and help you through it. Um, everybody needs to stop trying to wing it on their own. So, uh, Tiffany, you've got a book coming out in early 2015, and we've talked about it a little bit. It's called The Power of Adversity. Um, 
shed some light. Tell us a little bit more about the book. So The Power of Adversity is a combination between a personal memoir of what I experienced, which was being sexually molested, and it's also a self-help guide for women who have experienced a traumatic situation or are currently experiencing challenges in their life. And so The Power of Adversity is broken down into three parts. One is accept your past. Two, gain the necessary wisdom to move forward. And three, start designing your future. And these three parts is exactly the steps that I have taken to move past my traumatic situation and start designing the life that I want. And the, the theme of it is basically it, it gives hope, faith, and inspiration for women who feel stuck in their life and are ready to move past their adversity. I mean, and being stuck can can be so many things, you know. You've had your own tragedy that you needed to move past, but, you know, sometimes people are stuck in relationships, people are stuck in jobs, people are stuck in, you know, fear of, you know, maybe getting the entrepreneurial spirit or something. So I can see that your book would apply to so many women in so many areas of their life that it could possibly help. Um, what made you sit down and write it? Uh, I, I mean, the biggest thing was, those five years of soul searching and developing myself and analyzing what happened to me, that was just the foundation. And it wasn't until a year ago I, I decided, okay, well, my story and all the wisdom that I've gained throughout the five years needs to be shared with others. And so that's when I started to just make that outline, um, focus on what were the valuable lessons that I've learned and how I can best inspire other women to get past their challenges. Okay. And, you know, I was on your um, Facebook page, and I saw, like, a little blurb of the chapters, and one of the chapters is called um, Adversity is Your Blessing. And some people really don't want to hear that. They don't want to believe that. But maybe you can shed some light on why you feel that um, adversity does actually benefit somebody's life. Yes. So, obviously, when you are experiencing challenges, it's, it's hard. It's difficult. You can't possibly think what you need to do the next day. And so it's understandable. But when you do focus on, okay, my problem, it makes it very difficult to look into the future. And so the reason why I created this chapter is because adversity, challenges will only make you stronger. It will only make you wiser. When you experience challenges, you need to ask yourself, what am I learning here? What is a valuable lesson that I'm learning that I can use to implement in my life and to share with others? Mm-hmm. And so being able to, to take that step back when you are trying to and to ask yourself that question, you're, you're building that foundation. And you'll become stronger, you'll become wiser, and ultimately you'll live the life that you want if you go with that perspective. And so personally, because I've experienced that perspective, I can honestly say that your adversity is a blessing because I would not be who I am today if it weren't for my challenges. Mm -hmm. Okay. What do you think is the biggest lesson, biggest benefit that you have learned from your situation, your personal story? 
biggest lesson would be to understand that challenges will come up, and it's how you react to those challenges that will make all the difference in the world. Um, this is so far in the future. I don't even know if you can possibly, you know, even fathom that. But um, sometimes there is residual um, stuff, junk, muck that um, is left over inside of us. Um, and you, you, like you said, you are married. You're a new couple. And eventually, I'm, I'm assuming that you will become a parent yourself. Do you think, because of your personal situation, you will be more clingy as a parent, more, you know, reluctant to kind of let your, you know, kids kind of go off and experience things or whatever. Do you, you feel that even still there might be some areas that it might impact your life? Absolutely. I mean, what I experienced when I was 18, it, it is part of who I am. But mm-hmm. when it comes to raising a family and being a parent, understanding that, you know, they need to explore, they need to go out into the world but also being cautious, knowing that there are bad people in the world. And so just being able to educate our family, I think, is going to be the biggest thing for me and constantly developing myself so that I can best support my children mm-hmm. is really important. Okay, okay. And also, you know, we, we talked earlier about your situation, and I don't think that there was any um, going back to discuss this with the coach and, and her husband. Um, I'm curious, and you don't have to say names or anything like this, but this person, this coach, are they still actively training young girls? The last time I heard, I believe so. I believe so. I mean, um, like what I shared before, Lana, I got to a point at the age of 19 where, okay, just focus on myself. Yeah, I got you. Developing, but as of right now, um, last thing I heard was they, they are still. Okay. 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 I mean, cause I'm just, I just had this quick vision that there's more stories like Tiffany that are out there. And, um, I just had that moment of concern there, but, um, we all have to do our self healing and stuff like that. So, um, I'm just, you know, utmost, I'm, I'm just so happy and proud that you are, you know, evolved into the young lady that you are. Um, has the husband been um, there with you while you've been writing the book and putting the chapters together? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so my husband, I mean, I am so passionate, Lana, about this book. I, I take the time, two hours every day, just focus on it, reading it over and over. And so he has been very supportive. And actually, he was the one that um, inspired me. He said, Tiffany, like, you have a story. You, you've gone through so much in such a short amount of time. You need to share this story. And so he has been very, very supportive. Okay. Okay. So uh, where are we at in the publishing process? We, we're editing it now or we're, it's all yeah. done? And f- okay. We're still editing. Okay. All right. editing. Okay. So we should expect to see the book um, the first part of July. I mean, I'm sorry, January in 2015. Yeah, so The Power of Diversity will be self-published through Amazon, and so I plan on publishing it probably the first week in January of next year. Okay, so that would lead into my my next question is people will be able to pick it up on Amazon.com? Yes. Okay, okay. So um, is there any way that people can get... Um, 
maybe some blurbs about it or whatever. Because like I said, I, I was on your Facebook page and I saw the, the chapter, some of the chapter listing or something. But, um, you know, I know some people like want to do like little pre-reviews and teasers or whatever. Would you be having any kind of blurbs about the book coming out before the book is actually released in full? Absolutely. So you can visit my website, which is com, and opt in, and I send out a weekly newsletter. And then also you can go and visit my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Coaching. And I usually send out different words throughout the week, so uh, definitely you'll have to check that out. Okay, okay. So we're going to take the uh, final break of the day, and then we're going to talk about some other stuff that Tiffany has going on. But stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. Welcome back. I am with Miss Tiffany Mason today. She is the author of the book, The Power of Adversity. And um, we were uh, discussing how she has just uh, thrived despite of her circumstances. And um, I want to know, um, we were talking about the book, The Power of Adversity. is coming out in January of 2015. Uh, but you are also doing some other things. I think I found out that you are a columnist for the Northeast or Northeast News. I get my my mouth to work right here. Northeast News. And congratulations on that. Um, what types of articles do you write for this publication? Well, I'm very, very passionate about personal development, relationships, being able to establish a solid foundation for yourself after experiencing challenges in your life. And so basically I focus on time management, life, work balance, building a healthy and happy relationship with your partner. And so it's just a combination of all that. And uh, it's just been great just because I get to share my wisdom with the community. Okay. All right. So it seems, listening to you today, it seems like one of the things that you're really extremely passionate about is relationships, and that touches home to me because that's one of the things that I really kind of focus on in my own work. But what do you see um, the challenges that people have in relationships in the work that you do? Well, we live in a society, Lana, where there's just so many distractions and a lot of temptations that sometimes we can get off track on what really is important to us. And so the biggest thing that I'm seeing with couples is they lose track of their values. They lose track of what is important in their life. And and thus, as a result, the couple starts to to break apart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so um, how do you suggest, um, without giving away the whole the goody merchandise here, but how do you suggest that people start to repair or fix these little cracks in their relationships? Well, the first step is to understand that no one is wrong. When you're in a relationship and and unhappy, when you're unhappy in a relationship, know that no one's wrong. Your partner's not wrong. You're not wrong. It's just you're in a situation where you need that help. And so being able to be kind to yourself, knowing that this is okay, this is normal, we just need to move move forward and do it together. Working as a team, I would say, would be the biggest thing if you're serious about developing the, the relationship that you want is working together as a team. Okay. And I was on your website, uh, TiffanyMason.com, and I noticed in your coaching, you know, one of the things that you do help people with is how to reconnect 
with their spouse and um, what kind of tools have you used to kind of help people reconnect with their spouse? You know, this is a great question, Lana, just because I do this all the time with my husband. Okay. We both we both have very busy schedules, and so the one one ritual that we like to do is to just send texts throughout throughout the day, whether it be a simple "I love you," "I'm thinking about you," sending you a hug, sending you a kiss. Something so simple yet so meaningful at the same time, especially if the two of you live such busy lives. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. so Text messages? Yes, text messages, uh, a simple phone call, just being able to listen to their voice. And if you can, being able to have lunch lunch with your partner. I know for, for John and I, he has a very busy schedule in the Army, but we do take that time together and meet at home. I cook lunch, and we can, we're able to reconnect just for about an hour or so. Yeah. And, you know, like you mentioned, you know, there's so many things into what today's world that are kind of constantly, you know, always pulling our attention, you know, between work and, you know, you have uh, social media and then, you know, just I mean, there's so much things. So you can kind of your marriage or your relationship can kind of suffer as it gets mixed up into all of that. So, you know, reconnecting with your spouse is always very important, your spouse or your loved one. Um, one of the other things that you talk about is establishing a solid foundation um, in your life and in your marriage. And this is another thing that I preach, you know, that you need to start off right. Um, But unfortunately, sometimes we don't. Do you think that people can fix their relationships once they kind of don't start off on the right track? Or is it just a wash after we don't set a good solid foundation? No, absolutely not. I feel like even, even if you are in a relationship that may not, you may not have a solid foundation, it's okay because as what I work with, what I do with my clients is we focus on where you are right now, where you currently are in your life, in your marriage, and being able to focus on the here and now and focus on where you'd like to go with your relationship. So even if you don't have a solid foundation for, for yourself and for your relationship, it's okay because we'll focus on what, what are the necessary steps to get to where you want to go. Okay. Okay. And um, my my head is starting to click here. You mentioned that John is in the army, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So that that makes this the people that you help out here. It says married women. Ugh, gosh, I can't talk today. Married women, couples, female soldiers. So these are you help out women in the service, then, correct? Yeah. That oh, one passion. Okay. <laughs> one passion that I have is as women, especially modern women, we have. So much going on, so many responsibilities that sometimes we forget to take care of ourselves. We, we forget to focus on developing our feminine essence. And for women, especially female soldiers, it's difficult for them to separate the military life with their married life. And I've interviewed uh, plenty of female soldiers where it's difficult for them to turn off that switch just because being being in the military, being a female soldier, you have to have a certain persona, and mm-hmm. it's not it's not so easy to turn that off when you when you're at home with your husband. Okay, so um, I guess the the biggest thing that you bring to the table when it comes to working with women in the military is 
you know, bringing out their softer side, you know, allowing them to be things, like you said, the wife and the mother or whatever. Um, do you find that women in the military suffer in any other areas in life? No, the, not that I know of. The women that I've interviewed, we specifically focus on their inner being, what it is that they want, being able to get in touch with that essence within them. I know that some of them, they've shared um, the difficulties of, okay, raising a family because both of them are working and both of them um, have a profession. And so some of them do yearn to be at home to mm-hmm. take care of their children. So I would say um, not, not so much other than their inner being and taking care of their family. Okay. Okay. And, you know, like I said, now that we're discussing it, you know, it's something I've never really thought about, but it does really make a lot of sense that you have this woman who has to be, because she's in the military, there is a certain way she has to be to survive in the the career field that she has chosen. But at the same time, she is a female and, and there are some, you know, just built in things that come along with being a female, um, you know, be it a mother or a wife or whatever, but and, and some of that is how to transition back from military woman to just a simple, you know, a female. So, um, you know, I'd never really thought about that. So it's just wonderful that you kind of assist these women, you know, make that transition. Um, so, I mean, I, I never, I mean, that's a wonderful niche that you have found. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the female soldiers that I've worked with, the biggest thing that they have, that they want to wear the pants in the relationship. They want to make the decisions. They want the, you know, the finances, what's going on in the household. But the problem with this one is, well, if she's busy taking care of that, well, what does the husband do? Well, where right. is she in this whole situation? If she's working, she's taking care of the kids, she's taking care of the finances, where, where is the husband in this That's situation? Right. True, true, true. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's just a wonderful niche that you have found. I just never, it never even really occurred to me. So it's just beautiful that, you know, and life always fits perfectly, you know. So it's just wonderful that you have been able to fill a need that a lot of us have probably overlooked that there is this group, this population of women out there that do need some help adjusting between the particular career field that they have chosen and just being who they were born in this world to be. So, I mean, I just think that that is that is awesome. Um, Tiffany, uh, I always tell everybody that my hours go so fast. We are at the end of the hour here, dear. Um, you have been so wonderful to talk to. Uh, Everybody, my guest today has been Miss Tiffany Mason. Please, please visit her website, TiffanyMason.com. Tiffany, I appreciate you so much for making time for me and sharing your story. I wish you an abundance of success, and you keep on touching people's lives. It's been my pleasure. Thanks, Lana. No problem. That is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I will see you all next week.